By the way, I'm take I, I started taking Afrin, which you're only supposed to take like for like two days straight. I don't even know what kind of drug it is. It works though. I, is that an allergy? That's an allergy drug, or is no, that is that a like, cold thing? That's dealing it's like a with cold your thing. Okay. I don't, All right. yeah, it's like I shot it right at my nose and it cleared me up, so I'm happy. Huh. All right. Well, maybe we can get sponsored by Afrin. That'd be great. You want to you cut a promo right now? Afrin. When your snot is interfering with your day to day life and it hits, hits, hurts your head, Afrin. <laughs> All right, look, I put you on the spot. It wasn't it wasn't good, but given the fact that you had no opportunity to prepare, uh, maybe let's try it again this time. Talk about your symptoms a little bit, and then what Afrin did for you, and action. Boy, Eric, I've okay, sure, sure, and action. Boy, Eric, I've really been feeling crappy the last few weeks. This sinus headache has really put me on the shelf. But then I tried Afrin, and oh, baby, does it work? <laughs> All right, that was better. We're getting somewhere. We'll keep we'll keep workshopping this, but I think we got something yeah, yeah. here. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble <laughs> on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on Gamble On, casino workers in Detroit are striking, Sport Radar and Genius are getting sued, and we now know the official color of the ESPN Bet logo, and Jeff and I are going to be sharing our respective thoughts on mint green as part of our lead story on the pod, so... Yeah, I guess you could call this a slow news week. Yeah, two in a row. But uh, we're also going to be welcoming uh, SiriusXM's NBA uh, weekend host and guy who went to the same summer camp as me, Brian Geltseiler, to talk about all things NBA. But first, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Let's get to the news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We are inching closer to the launch of ESPN Bet, probably about a month away, and this week has brought a little more information and a peek at the logos for the brand. The ESPN logo in white with the word bet in what they're calling mint green, and a mint green E inside of a B that I'd say looks pretty sharp. Uh, Separate notes revealed in a Wall Street Journal article include the promise of an expanded talent lineup to host and promote gambling content, and most likely ESPN's version of the BetCast, alternative broadcasts of games focused on the betting. Uh, Jeff, you also wrote a fun piece this week about seven items you think ESPN Bet should prioritize. So share some highlights of that with the listeners, and let me know how the mint green logo is making you feel deep down inside. Yeah, the logo really got everyone talking there on Twitter yesterday. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, who gives a shit? Uh, Siri, <laughs> give me a good sports book. I don't care what the app thing looks like on my phone. Just give me a good sports book. Give me fast load times. Give me fast bet placement. Give me fast withdrawals. Give me a player prop menu that's intuitive. Uh, don't limit me because your algorithm you know, tell, tells you to do so. Uh, I want 80 style fonts as an option also. I think right. I mentioned that in the article. You did. Um, as far as like, you know, this expanded talent lineup to host and promote, you know, I'm curious to see what happens. You know, I got a piece I'm working on for next week. Uh, a quote from Pat McAfee. From It was a day or two after ESPN and Penn announced the deal. And he said, like, on his show that he really doesn't want anything to do with ESPN bet. You know, I'm hmm. curious to see if that holds or not. I can't imagine that it does. 
Um, but yeah, listen, man, I, I think ESPN bet, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I think they have a shot here, like to really dent, you know, they got the name certainly, but now they just need the sports book. Okay. Listen, I, I, at this point in the game, I don't think we're really, how many people are we, how many new signups are we getting at this point? You know what I mean? People have never like placed a bet before. Right. Um, so you, you know, you gotta, you know, give me a reason ESPN bet to bring my recreational betting to you. Right. You know, make it a great sports book. I mean, make it a great product. That's and and there, it's doable now because, as I said in this article that I wrote, the mm. seven things or whatever. Right. Like Hard Rock is super fast. Caesars has great customer service. Like you, it's all the things that I want in one sports book are out there in all the other ones. You follow what I'm saying? Just put it all together. Right. And if there if there was ever a company that had the ability to put it all together, that had the money to put it all together, that had the you know the wherewithal, you would think it would be. You know, Penn and ESPN. So let's see what they got. Let's see what they got. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll drill down uh, first on some of what was in your article since you were just talking about that. And and let's start with what I told you over Slack that uh, uh, the the one that stood out was make it look like something from the 1980s. And I dismissed it at at first as you know Jeff Edelstein's silliness. But then I watched the 1984 Sports Center intro you embedded and. <laughs> My so God, good. it's so good. There should absolutely be an option on the app to make it all look like this is the Atari sports book or something like that, basically. Bring us bring us back to our youths. Why not? Yeah. So I love yeah. It. Yeah, I like I like that idea, even though I thought I hated that idea initially. <laughs> um, the more significant and serious ideas uh, that that you uh, threw out there. Yes, yeah, speed is paramount, no spinning wheels. Um I care a little less about quick withdrawals, but there's kind of no excuse not to have quick withdrawals when, you know, poker stars in particular, I request money. It is in my PayPal account in like three minutes. So uh, even though I don't personally consider withdrawals that fast to be a top priority, clearly if they can do it, anyone can do it. So why shouldn't ESPN bet have it? Um, your idea for the props menu uh, where basically, you know, they can be organized in a variety of ways, but like ideally, like you want to look at running back over unders, you can see all the running backs just listed from highest to lowest. That makes sense. Everyone, every sports book should have that option. Um, full access to your personal betting stats is also a great idea. Uh, although I suppose sports books are probably reluctant to show you a breakdown of how much you suck if you're a losing better. And that's probably why they haven't been uh, forthcoming with that sort of information. Um, but I, I certainly think it would be a nice feature to have for those who want to see it. And um, and then there's limiting. How did I know that you would work that into the article, Jeff? Well, yeah, I mean, it's listen, I I. I <laughs> it's very aggravating. <laughs> I say the word limiting and you can't no, even like put aggravating. a sentence together. Yeah. Well, it's aggravating because again, I have been limited at four different sports books that I know of. Okay. Right. And I, I, one of them, I, they caught me arbing. That's, I think that's clear, but the other ones, I, there's no reason. And even when they caught me arbing at, I was down like 1500 bucks, like at their sports book. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I, I just don't, I just don't, understand what i did i'm sure i like beat closing line value or something you know whatever whatever it is but like you know by the way i'm working on another story uh, about an academic paper that basically asks the question what keeps someone betting mm -hmm. and it's having how it's winning that keeps people betting like overwhelmingly now right. that sounds kind of intuitive but like the point like 80 percent of people who continue to bet bet because they win 
And furthermore, they, they, this, you're going to love this when I write this article. They, okay. They, they got their hands on seven years worth of data from a sports book in Czechoslovakia over like 100 million bets that they were able to parse. So, I mean, this is a pretty deep study. So it was house money that caused people to bet more. And the memories lasted about 24 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I won, if I lost, 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 and then won, all I'm thinking about is the fact that I just won. Mm. So these sports books are shooting themselves in the foot by limiting people like me. Right. Yeah. Right. I get angry when people say limiting. Yes. No, I mean, absolutely. The idea of the, the sports book approach should be, okay, well, this guy's at, you know, in theory, if you're limited because you did some winning, let, even though, uh, as you said, at the one book, uh, you, do, you weren't even doing that. But if you're being limited because you won, it's, it's a mistake in that for the great majority, you're going to give that money back if they let you hang around long enough and risk enough of it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what the odds say, don't they? Right. Absolutely. So, um, all right. I'm, I'm sorry I brought up limiting. I do want to uh, talk talk about one other uh, item within this is just that, that bet cast idea. Um, I mean, I'm almost surprised that they waited to have their own sports book before doing it. You, you'd think they would have tried it already on like some week without a Manning cast instead do a bet cast as the, uh, the alternate, um, you know, Caesars was basically the ESPN sports book of record could have done it all with Caesars odds. Um, but certainly it makes sense to try it now with ESPN bet. And, um, you know, I, I've watched other networks do these bet casts. They can be fun if you have the right broadcasters. And if you as a viewer don't care deeply as a fan about the outcome of the game, then then the bet cast is perfect, which is kind of t- true of the Manning cast also. I like the Manning cast for games I don't care too much about. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I guess. I'm not, I, I don't need a bet cast, generally speaking. I, I'm not, I, 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 to be fair, I haven't like really seen any, but mm-hmm. I don't need, I mean, I, I think about betting enough Right. That I don't need to watch it. <laughs> you, you, you should check one out. Just I'd be curious right. for your opinion of it, like whether, oh, my, that's actually too much betting talk for me or, right. you know what, right. that was kind of fun. It kept me engaged and interested in the game. So right. I don't, when, right. when they start, uh, I'll, I'll ask for a Jeff Edelstein review. Done. All right. Let's move along to a brick and mortar casino story. There's a trend playing out in Detroit and Las Vegas where casino workers are striking for better pay and better working conditions. In Detroit, 3,700 workers at the city's three casinos walked out on Tuesday seeking better wages and benefits, though the casinos are staying open just without the unionized staff. The Detroit Casino Council estimated the strike could cost $3.4 million in casino operator revenue each day at last. Meanwhile, in Las Vegas, culinary workers specifically are on strike, and Vice President Kamala Harris was there with them last Thursday to show her support. The culinary union is pushing for wage increases, enhanced job safety protections, and higher severance pay under a new five-year contract. One presumes that casinos will want to get this resolved before F1 comes to town next month, but um, you know what they say about people who presume. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts? Uh, and By the way, have you ever been part of a strike? No, I hate unions, except the ones that I've been in. Those are good unions. <laughs> okay, uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I, my, my opinion on unions, I think unions should be just strong enough that the management can't roll you over. You know what I mean? But like okay. you, unions that are too strong, like, you know, they they carry way too much weight. But mm. uh, like in New Jersey, like the teachers union, for instance, right, way, right. way, 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 way too strong. But uh, no, I've never been part of a strike. I came close once, uh, one of my side gigs, but alas, I didn't get a chance to chant, no Roger, no rerun, no rent. Um, <laughs> nice. 
as far as these strikes go, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like in this economy right now, employees seem to hold the cards, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd expect both of these things to settle sooner rather than later. Uh, over under 25% of the audience gets no Roger, no rerun, no rant. I mean, we're getting old, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I was uh, The reason I was thinking about what's happening is because uh, the Bucks were wearing their old uniforms last weekend, and we all know that's how uh, Wayne made, uh, Dwayne made all his money. Remember that episode? <laughs> I do like, not. There was, an ep- there was a What's Happening episode where Dwayne was betting football and, and winning left Ooh. and right, like he couldn't stop winning. And it was revealed, like, what his system was. He liked the team, whatever, whatever team had the better uniforms. Oh, okay. The, well, the, this... Uh, the box uniforms, those, you know, were great uniforms. Right. This, I mean, how how have we not done that yet on the Sports Handle series of, like, great betting scenes? Uh, mm. There's a whole What's Happening episode. If it's available on YouTube or something, uh, one, one of us is watching and reviewing and writing right. about that. <laughs> um, so uh, as far as strikes go, uh, I was part of the H&H Bagel strike in the 90s, of course, but uh, nothing since. So there's my, my TV reference uh, uh, for, for this. Uh, you know, that's all I got. Um This quote from the Detroit Casino Council's press release stood out to me. Despite record-breaking gaming revenues and high inflation, casino workers have received only minimal raises since the start of the pandemic. To help the casinos recover after the COVID shutdowns, workers did not receive contractual raises in 2020 and 2021. In October 2022 and April 2023, casino workers received 1.5% raises far below inflation. Look, uh, you know, we're in the industry. We see the casino profits and we report on them. They're doing well. You know, as long as your casino doesn't have the Trump name on it, it isn't going out of business. There are two sides to every story, I realize. But I, just reading that quote, and of course, you know, it's um, it's it's slanted in the direction they want to slant it. But I think the workers have a valid case. Um, everyone in the working class has been struggling to keep up with inflation my hope is that they will do right by the unionized workers and give them raises to make up for the races withheld during the pandemic and, and then get back to work. But I guess the casinos are in a position to wait and see how they do for a little while without these workers. Um, the, the Detroit workers may not have much leverage uh, in Vegas. I would think the F1 race followed by the Super Bowl provides some leverage for the workers. Yeah. That's that's going to get real interesting if it isn't resolved soon. Yeah, agreed. Uh, For our third story, let's talk about two things that uh, generally exceed the grasp of our simple brains, legal filings and sports betting data providers. Uh, Panda Interactive, the parent company of Sportscaster Inc., filed patent infringement lawsuits last week against both SportRadar and Genius Sports, alleging the two data providers have infringed upon Sportscaster's, quote, patented technology for video streaming and betting products. In a statement, Panda said it developed the technology before sports betting was even legalized in the U.S. The suit comes just a few weeks after Genius launched BetVision, a product that allows bettors to watch an NFL contest and place a wager from the same app. The patents for the Panda products in question were all filed between 2018 and 2021, so not before sports betting was legalized, but according to Panda, early enough that this is patent infringement. Genius and Sport Raider are declining comment, naturally. Matt Rybaltowski has all the details on Sports Handle. Jeff, I'm sure you read Matt's coverage. Last week, I called you a PR pro, and you rejected it. This week, I'm calling you Gambleon's foremost legal mind. What do you make of this lawsuit? Yeah, I mean... This really harkens back to me to uh, Johnson v. Smithson. Uh, it was a 1986 case. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Are 
Are you fucking kidding me? This is so beyond like anything that I can even talk intelligently on. I I, I, I expect a settlement sooner rather than later. Sense of theme. And that's the extent of your comments on this? Pretty much. I mean, okay. really, do, do you have anything to add to this? I have no. This is so far out beyond what I can understand. Right. I have I have no legal analysis to add, right. but I do have some thoughts. Uh, first, okay. I'll say that if I were a good journalist, uh-huh. I would I would have called Greg Raymer by now for his analysis. Do you remember Greg Raymer, Fossil no. Man? He's yeah. the the guy who won the 2004 WSOP main event and wore those weird sunglasses oh, when he yeah, got yeah, into yeah, a hand. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. previously a patent attorney. So oh, um, well, there you go. Guest on next week's pod, maybe talk a little poker yeah. and a little uh, what what the case is here. I don't know. Or That's maybe nice. we don't want to talk about legal stuff any more than we have to. I don't know. But um, the sports caster product is, is is interesting. It it has nothing to do with betting, but of course it could have something to do with betting. Um, but there was like a little video embedded in Matt's article that shows what Sportscaster does. And the idea is you can do your own sportscasts, you know, live stream the game and provide your own commentary instead of the announcer's commentary and stream that, which uh, actually is an idea my old boxing podcast partner and I flirted with like 10 years ago. We were like, I bet our listeners would prefer us calling this fight rather than the broadcasters. And then we came to the conclusion that it's got to be illegal. And uh, and I think it is. I've heard other radio hosts and podcasters say they aren't allowed to broadcast live along with a sports event. So in the end, I'm not even sure how the Sportscaster app is or was legal. But it's an interesting app. The case has my interest. Are these watch and bet apps going to have to pay because someone patented an idea that's sort of part of the watch and bet idea? I, I have no idea where it's headed, but it has my interest. It's it's headed it's headed to a settlement, right? If you you know like you, you, you sense you know I don't know I own a little company that does a little something that is a little similar to what somebody else is doing. I sue, right? Right, right. That's I mean that's that's the American way. <laughs> okay, so you're just you're just giving analysis, not as a legal expert, but just as a an expert in life and a generalist who understands how these things often go. I'd like to be considered a generalist, yeah. Yeah. That, all right. I, I'm done calling you uh, a legal expert, and I'm done calling you a PR pro, but you are Gambleon's number one generalist. I will accept. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gambleon interview. The NBA tips off next Tuesday night, kicking off that brief stretch on the calendar when all four major U.S. sports are in season at once. And we are excited to welcome to the podcast to help us preview the NBA season and the related betting opportunities, a host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, a contributor at NBA TV, and just like my co-host, a former camper at Jeff Lake Day Camp in New Jersey, <laughs> Brian Geltzeiler. Brian, welcome to Gamble On. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate being with you guys. So first question I have for you, you know, thinking back, it seems kind of weird that we call the the camp owners Uncle Ira and Uncle Dudley. Can you get away with that stuff these days? I'm not sure. I I don't know. It feels a little dicey. And you probably don't. I mean, it's a different (laughs) world that we're living in. I will say this. Back then, it felt weirdly appropriate. Yes. You know what I mean? But but I guess at this stage, you start to do that, and people start to look at you with a raised eyebrow. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you, Jeff. It it is definitely, looking back in the way that our society has evolved, it kind of feels and, and sounds odd right now. But then it was perfect. 
It was perfect. It was Uncle Ira, Uncle Dudley, Uncle Bob. Even it was everyone was an uncle. Well, I, I, I will, let's say right now, I wouldn't go that far to call Bob my uncle. Bob, that Bob was tough. <laughs> Bob was not an uncle. You know what right. I mean? I didn't kind of look. At, I didn't look at Bob that way. Right? <laughs> you know. And again, that Jeff and I are out here in this podcast with inside jokes that he's laughing at and understands. Right. Eric, you don't get no one else understands. No one gets. Jeff's Who cares? Brother Mike, Jeff's brother Mike, if he's listening, he understands. He'll get it. Yeah, it's fine. We went to camp. This is a million years ago, but I hadn't thought about it in a million years. Then I started thinking about all these things from flooding back to me, including the short porch in left field on softball field one. Remember that? I do, but yes, but I was a lefty. So for me, it was a bigger fence of the tennis courts that I had a hard time with. Yeah, but I had friends, my buddy Jeff Lickstein, my buddy Andrew Bloom, that spent hours upon hours upon hours trying to get one out of that, (laughs) over that fence until they finally were able to do it. And then once they were able to do it, it was easy. They did it every time. Yeah, I, I, I would. Thinking back now, I would take Lickstein at a plus two fifty to to hit a home run. I think on any given game. Yeah, listen, that, he uh, just lost seventy pounds. He looks terrific. He could probably do it again right now. <laughs> all right, we should probably get to the basketball stuff before we lose I would every. Think so, but you're right, right, exactly. I could do this all day, all day. <laughs> you, you two are having fun. That's what's yeah, important. Yeah, that's all, who cares that's about, about a month, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, all right, I want to talk awards market. I love awards markets because you could bet them a little here, a little there, all season long. MVP and Rookie of the Year. I mean, you know, for MVP, Jokic's going for his 17th in a row, I think. It could be Giannis's year. I don't know. Who do you, who do you like at MVP? Who's like Who do you like as the favorite? Who do you like down the market a little bit? Let me start with a disclaimer because I am an awards voter. So I have to be kind of careful how I tread onto this particular subject matter. With all that said, I kind of feel like coming in, like, you know, listen, like, Embiid had hung around for that award a bunch of years and hadn't really put it together. He became, as the season went on, he became a sentimental favorite. And that's part of what got him that award last year. When you start to go and, and peel back pure numbers, um, Jokic's were fantastic. It's very hard to look at that award and not say, hey, it's Nikola Jokic's to lose. And that's kind of how I feel about it this year. I do think that Keep an eye on Giannis for this. Now, I don't think, you know, in many situations when a team goes and trades for another megastar to go along with the one they have, that'll generally divide voters. I don't know if this stage of his career, as good as Damian Lillard is offensively, that he's that kind of star that would peel votes away from Giannis. So if Giannis stays healthy and has a great season, I kind of feel like we have a two-horse race to the end. But I'd be surprised if anybody else creeps him. So Jason Tatum certainly could on the team that he's on. He's a guy I would watch. I know that a lot of people have picked Devin Booker as a dark horse here, but that's really hard when you're on a team with Kevin Durant. So I don't know that that necessarily could happen. So I kind of just feel like two-horse race, yo, Kitchen Giannis. All right, what about Rookie of the Year? So, I mean, Wemby, like everyone's, you know, he, he's everyone's loving him right now. He's the favorite. Scoot is second favorite. Yet, don't forget Chet Holmgren coming into the league now, finally healthy, theoretically. And then even like, you know, a Brandon Miller, you know, or Cam Whitmore, they might be in a, a, the right position. Again, who do you like at the top and who do you like a little bit further down the line? So listen, one of the things you have to look at with rookie of the year, two things, games and minutes, right? Are they going to play enough to be able to earn the award? I'm skeptical on Wembayama regarding both games and minutes because I think as the season wears on, the Spurs are going to be more and more conservative with him. And the load management stuff makes it a little harder in terms of the rules and the fines, so they may pull back with some minutes on him. They're not ready to be a playoff team this year, and I think they're going to look at this as a transition-slash-developmental year for Wembayama, as good as he is. 
Um, so Scoot Henderson, listen, I think Portland's better than their, their over on the win total of 28 and a half. I, th- I think they're a better team than that. And I think Scoot's going to be very viable for the award, but frankly, the guy you got to watch is Chet Holmgren because I think OKC is going to be hanging around that playoff picture all year. And really when you look at what they were missing last year, skill set wise, all of it points back to Chet Holmgren. So I think if Holmgren stays healthy and has a good year, I actually think from a productivity standpoint and, and a winning game standpoint and an impact on winning, which is something, you know, it's a kind of a qualitative characteristic that I tend to look at that uh, pull some numbers and the eye test together. I kind of think Holmgren's best position to win that award. So, and the odds are decent on him. So I would tell you if, you know, for the betting public, I, I think that Holmgren really is where your value lies for rookie of the year. I'm in. All right, I'll I'll ask a uh, self-centered question as a 76ers fan. Um, to me, this team feels like a total stay away because we have no idea what they're going to get, if anything, in exchange for Harden. And it's hard to figure out how the other pieces fall into place until the Harden situation gets resolved. So I'm absolutely not betting on them before the season. In your opinion, is, is that the right move or should we actually be actively fading them, maybe betting the under on 47 and a half wins? I actually like the over. I and okay. and I'm in I'm in the minority and and I say it for this reason. Listen, the Harden thing is a mess, but I would believe that sooner rather than later it's going to be wrapped up. There is a larger plan at play here, and the larger plan is quite frankly to get as many picks and expiring contracts as you can for him. And then as we hit December 15th into January 1st, you're going to have at least one team, if not two, maybe three teams. And I can reel off some candidates. Chicago's number one on the list. Toronto's a potential team there as well. I would even look if things don't go well for the Pelicans early on, if potentially a CJ McCollum or a Brandon Ingram would be available. And I think for the Sixers, they don't have, they can only trade two of their own picks right now. And I think one of the reasons they're trying to hold out here for Terrence Mann or multiple unprotected first round picks is so they can aggressively go get somebody later in the season without having to sacrifice Therese Maxey or Tobias Harris and literally add somebody in with those picks in the spot that's going to be vacated by Harden. The other thing is this about the Sixers. Keep this in mind. They played very well in the absence of vital players last year. Their bench guys stepped up nicely. You look at their win total last year and look at the amount of games that Embiid, Harden, and Maxey all missed and they and it was meaningful. The other thing is this, not having Harden there is going to allow Maxi to have the ball in his hands more and uh, allow him to elevate his game and be a guy. Because I do think that Maxi, with higher usage, is going to be able to maintain efficiency. Um, he's one of these few guys in a league that's a one-man fast break, that's a one-man transition game. And I do think Harden's presence last year kept the ball from being in Joel Embiid's hands as much as it should in some vital spots. Listen, if I'm the Sixers, the most important five minutes that I have to identify that happened last season season to make sure it doesn't happen again this season with the last five minutes of game six at home against the Celtics in that second round series where they were up 11 uh Tatum went crazy and, and Tobias Harris guarded him great by the way I can't beat up on him but MB didn't see the ball for the last five minutes of the game and in the post-game presser I was there that night Doc and MB were both like what happened Joel Embiid said I have to have the ball in my hands I have to touch it he's absolutely right well who's hands was the ball in was James Harden's so I I don't necessarily think that James Harden leaving is this death knell for this team it's just got to be handled properly but I also will say this the the packages that teams are getting for these star players have crested they have peaked so I don't know that Maury needs everything he's trying to get here 
And there is a addition by subtraction element here to put this hardened crisis behind the team, get what you can get and be ready to go get a guy, you know, December 15th, January 1st. Like to me, I, I, a guy that they wouldn't have to give more than two first round picks for that I think will be a fantastic fit would actually fit better than Harden is DeMar DeRozan. And I think you put DeMar DeRozan on the Sixer team without taking anything away. And I think you're right there with the top two teams in Eastern Conference. Ah, damn it, Brian. I, I was, I've been trying all offseason not to let any optimism creep in, so I'd be disappointed. And here you go, getting me all optimistic. But it makes <laughs> sense. You Everything you said makes sense. Yeah. Listen, I'm zagging when a lot of people are zigging on the Sixers. I, that's, yeah. that's, I, I will say that. Everybody you talk to feels like the Sixers peaked last year and the whole thing's going to go downhill from here. I'm not convinced of that at all. All right. Uh, end of the day snack at Jeff Lakes. What was your favorite? Uh, ice cream sandwich, fudgicle. Uh, the, the, the double barreled, uh, ice pop or the creamsicle. Oh, first of all, I was anti creamsicle, never touched it. Wouldn't go near it. Okay. <laughs> and then, and, and then the other part of this, that was to me, the ice cream sandwich was just the best there was. It was fantastic. Uh, minus it was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I absolutely agree. outstanding. I agree. I agree. Although the double barreled ice pop, you get the cherry. I think you're in business. There yeah. Also. I didn't love it. That, you know what? Always made my teeth cold. Okay, fair, Ooh. fair. No, it's fair. That's a fair, fair criticism. Um, <laughs> listen, DraftKings is offering uh, NBA League Pass for free to uh, a lot of its customers if you're like a certain level, which is a pretty low level because I I got the offer. Uh, my gut is telling me that this is an this is an effort to get more people watching the games in an effort to get more people to live bet. Uh, forgetting about lag for a minute, I think the NBA basketball is particularly well suited to live betting. Um, what do you see as the future for the NBA and live betting? Do you see this being like a, a, a big, uh, you know, like a, a, a great way to get fans to watch the games? I think it is already. I, I, I think, and, and I think it's only going to be more. Listen, I think that's what they're looking for. It's before we, before we know it, Jeff, you're going to have betting kiosks right there in arenas. You know what I mean? Where, right. where you can have, you know, ongoing odds. And granted, you can do it for your phone, so you don't need to do it at a kiosk. But you're going to have posted odds in arenas. Live betting odds during games. This is where it's all going. This is where it is. And, and you're going to see more and more betting content out there. And the NBA is not shying away from it. The NBA is partnering with all of it. So I really, truly, so I think I I understand why DraftKings is doing that. I don't blame them. I think it's a strong move. And I think you're going to get a lot of live betting because, listen, so many of your betters are just impulsive. And a lot of people are very new to sports betting. That's who DraftKings is making all their money from. Sure. So we see, you know, the, the guys that are experienced and understand what they're doing and know how to process data and all of that. Okay, so those people are not the ones that DraftKings is making a mint on. DraftKings is making a mint on on the amateur. And what do you do when you look to grow it on the fringes and on the margins? You bring in more amateurs. More amateurs means more income. You know what I mean? So if you're betting anyway, a guy like you is betting anyway, and they're offering me NBA free league pass, why am I going to pay for it? So right. I this is this is where it's all going, and you know I think it's going to get there. You know if it's not there already, very very fast. I think the one thing about basketball more than almost any other sport is if you are watching the game, you do, you know, if you watch games, you know, regularly, you do get a feel for when like the tide might be shifting, you know, like that, you know, one lousy turnover, like, and you'd be like, oh, that's it. You know, like they're going to spiral here. You know, I think that, I think there's money to be made. I'm trying to convince myself to become a live NBA better is basically <laughs> what I'm trying to do here. Well, well, here, here's what I'll tell you. And I think where you can feel game flow in the NBA, 
that's starting to shift in a certain way. But you also have to be on that. you got to be on that app because as you're feeling game flow, so are the guys that are setting the odds and the sure, algorithms sure. that are, are feeling the same thing that you're feeling. Um, I think the NHL is similar to that. Baseball, I don't even know how you would do the, the whole live betting routine. But football is interesting with live betting just because – one play can shift everything in football. Yeah, right. And you don't normally get that, I think, in basketball or even hockey to a lesser extent. Maybe hockey a little bit. Turnover, a shorthanded goal can kind of change a game and some game flow. But I think I think you're right about that. Basketball is uniquely suited to that. But again, it's also, you got to be faster than the trigger finger because those algorithms are, are right there on the front end of it. And, you know, so there the algorithms are watching things happen and are kind of in digging in data that you don't have to the plain eye and you don't have at your fingertips to be able to process. All right. Last thing. Um, I don't quite understand the in-season tournament, um, but I do see odds on who will win it. So I'd like to understand it. Um, there are lots of good, solid teams between 13 to one and 30 to one to win this thing. Feels like there's an opportunity here relative to championship odds, you know, to, to hit on a long shot. So do you see a strategy here? Is there any sense of what sort of teams will take the in-season tournament seriously and have a chance? It's very difficult just because we don't know. Keep in mind, these are all, till you get to the finals of the in-season tournament, these are all regular season games. And the top tier teams are going to treat them more as regular season games than they are in season tournament games because their eye is on a bigger prize. Um, with that said, I think when you look at potentially handicapping it at this stage we don't know where anybody's going to be at that point we don't know who's going to be load managed we don't know who's going to be you know hurt we don't we just we don't know but when you look at at any kind of handicapping right now i think you have to look at the way the pods are divided and one team that i do think has kind of gotten into a pod where they they could get through it that's a pretty talented team's the atlanta hawks that's a team i would keep an eye on in the in-season tournament because I think for them, that could be the springboard towards some bigger things. And those are the kind of teams that you want to look at. A team even like the Knicks, who, yes, we would we, we were a second-tier team in the East, but this could maybe help elevate us to feel like we're a first-tier team in the conference. Um, a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder is another team. Again, second-tier team in the West, maybe a third-tier team in the West. But if we can have some success in the in-season tournament, we can start to feel like we belong with those with those higher-level teams. And listen, confidence is all of it. So I think those – I would kind of focus in odds-wise on those kind of teams and probably steer clear of your top contenders, your Phoenix, your Denver's, your Boston's, Milwaukee's. Yeah, I'm looking at you know, Knicks 24-1, to uh, Oklahoma City 24-1. to Yeah, those are the nice nice kind of odds that you're probably not going to hit the a title lies. team. Yeah, right. That's where the value lies, I think, in the institution tournament. All right. Great stuff. Uh, he is Brian Geltzeiler. Follow him on Twitter at NBA. Listen to him on Sirius XM NBA radio. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Brian. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Let's do it again soon. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And uh, boy, do I hope the Gamble On listeners faded our wagers last week. Uh, in fact, I hope that they all parlayed the opposite sides <laughs> of all of our bets together, because if you did, you are wiping your ass with $100 bills right now. Uh, Jeff's two-leg same-game parlay on Pacheco's yardage and a touchdown lost $100. 
my Ravens Titans over. It went under by a point, lost $110. Jeff's three team tees was going great until the Eagles screwed it up, lost $100. My bet on Zoo by KO between round seven and 12, he was threatening but couldn't finish it. He won a unanimous decision. We lost 80 bucks. Your Logan Thomas Drake London touchdown parlay didn't pan out, lost $50. And my strategy of betting on my lock of the week backfired. DJ Moore was nine yards under the mark. I cost us $110 there. A fade Raskin and Edelstein parlay would have paid approximately plus a hundred thousand, but uh, <laughs> alas, we lost five fifty for the week, putting us down by thirty eight thirty one. A new all time bankroll low. We also have twenty five fifty one on hold in futures bets. That leaves us with three thousand six hundred eighteen dollars available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. Yeah, I guess I got to step my game up here. Uh, let's go a little three team teaser. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, because the Eagles really screwed me last week. Uh, you know, hundred bucks plus one sixty. Give me over thirty-six and a half points in Lions Ravens. Uh, let's get the Seahawks down to point and a half favorites over the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and let's get the Bills down to two and a half point favorites over the Patriots. Okay. These are all reasonable bets. They are. Yeah, on paper, I like each each leg of that, but I feel like I said that last week. And uh... Uh, teases always look good on paper. Right. Every, yeah. They, they never don't look good. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Uh, All right, so I will be uh, teasing the opposite sides of all three together, uh, which is actually not a terrible bet either to go uh, swing everything 12 full points in the other direction. But uh, all right, Uh, I like it. Good way to start. Um, I have a couple of NFL player futures to start with this week. Um, First, I'm joining you on the Lions bandwagon, Jeff. Um, Actually, I don't don't really think they're great. Um, They've been beating up on mostly bad opposition, but they're at least a good team, if not a great team. And they have a pretty soft schedule. Uh, they're five and one. They could realistically get to 13, maybe even 14 wins. Um, you have them to win the Super Bowl at 18 to one. I think that's solid value. They've come down a little from that number. You have Campbell for coach of the year. That's looking really good. If indeed they get to like 13 or more wins. I'll add one more to the pile. Jared Goff for MVP, which I'm finding as high as plus 2,000. We have two bets in this market so far with our bankroll. I took Mahomes preseason at plus 700. That's looking solid. You took Herbert at plus 1,500. That's not looking so great. Uh, So we have $150 invested between those two. Let's invest 25 more on Goff at 20 to 1 to win 500. His stats are good. He's fifth in passing yards, third in quarterback rating, has an 11 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. Those stats are good enough that if they get the top seed in the NFC, he could certainly win MVP. Uh, My other bet uh, on another quarterback, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, he's the MVP favorite, but I think there's no value there at like plus 350. But for him to lead the league in touchdown passes, he's plus 600, which seems a bit high when he's currently tied for the lead at 14. And Cousins, Allen and Mahomes are all at shorter odds than he is. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just the ultimate weapon, turns ordinary passes into touchdowns. If Tua stays healthy, a big if, I realize, but so far so good. Uh, If he stays healthy, he's going to continue throwing for two or three or four touchdowns almost every game. Let's do 50 bucks on him at six to one to win 300 to lead the league in touchdowns, just as he is currently. Love it. Um, Can you pronounce the Diamondbacks pitcher today? Fat? Uh, I, I I assumed, uh, I, so, so I wrote like an NL playoff preview a couple weeks ago and looked him up for the first time, and I assumed fat and then uh, was curious whether I could uh, use it to make any puns or whatever, and it, it seems to be fought. Fought. 
Yeah. Well, his stat is terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. he's given up like 22 home runs in like 95 innings this year. Like, uh, hello, they're playing the Phillies. This is all they do is hit home runs. Right. Bet 365, you got Schwarber at plus 265. You got Harper at plus 390. Give me both of them, 75 each. Throw them together for another 50 and an SGP for 1,400. So, see, this is why I send you the uh, outline in advance with my bets on it, although this one I didn't spell out. We have a big overlap here. Uh, this, oh, this, <laughs> but that's happen. fine. You're right. Exactly. It's, it's totally fine. We are, it's, uh, I guess it's, maybe it's a good sign that we're thinking the same way. But so we're really going to pile on the Phillies here because all that I had sent you in advance was that I would look to figure out some Phillies Diamondbacks game three SGP uh, in the morning. Uh, so in fairness, you had no idea that we were going to overlap so much. Um, but before I get to exactly what's in my SGP, I got to brag that uh, in real life, I won a nice little four-leg SGP on the Phillies-Diamondbacks game Tuesday. Uh, figured, hey, these Phils are mashing the ball. Let's make a realistic parlay on the offense continuing to click. So I did a Schwarber homer. Should have done two homers, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, Schwarber homer along with hits for Turner, Stott, and Marsh paid 10 to 1. Yay me. Uh, so now I am going to uh, curse my luck by trying it with our fake bankroll. Uh, yes, Brandon Fott, uh, he's uh, he's good news for the lefty bats in the Phils lineup. Um, although Fott hasn't lasted long in either of his playoff starts so far, so how long exactly he'll be serving up homers remains to be seen. I was tempted to bet his strikeout under as part of the parlay, but the line's only three and a half, so I'm going to stay away from that. So instead, give me over 0.5 runs scored in the first inning. Uh, which, you know, gives us the Diamondbacks in the bottom of the inning as well uh, to score a run. But of course, the hope is those big Phillies bats do damage in the first as they have been lately. So we need at least one run in the first. Also, I have a homer for Schwarber, who's streaky and seems to be uh, on a good streak. And a homer for Harper, who's the new Mr. October. Um, it's plus 18.15 at FanDuel. So it's your parlay plus a run to be scored in the first. What was your price on it without the run to be scored in the first? I think it was it was around 1,400. But All right. I, I was having trouble getting it exactly for reasons I don't need to get into right now. But 1,400 <laughs> is was the conservative estimate. Hmm. So now knowing that this price doesn't seem that great, plus 18.15. But, you know, it's funny. I priced it around elsewhere. I uh, didn't check bet 365, but I... I, I Priced around elsewhere, and uh, this was the highest I saw. And um, what's weird is at DraftKings, each of the three individual legs had a better price, um, but then the parlay yeah. only came out to plus 1,500. I guess they're factoring in the correlation of these guys to Homer with a run in the first, much more than FanDuel does. So at FanDuel, it's plus 1,815. Uh, I'm just going 20 bucks to win 363 on Harper plus Schwarber to Homer and a run to be scored in the first inning. This is Diamondbacks 12 nothing all over. <laughs> Very possible. Uh, yeah. Well, I, it's okay if the Diamond not not as a Phillies fan, but just right. as a as a better. It's okay if the Diamondbacks score some runs as long as they score one in the first. That could yeah. help us. But then we still need those Phillies guys to homer. We do. All right. Uh, for my last one here, what could go wrong with a five team money line parlay? The Bills over the Patriots, the Falcons over the uh, Buccaneers, the Giants over the Commanders, the Seahawks over the Cardinals, the Rams over the Steelers, plus 1162, 100 bucks, baby. Okay. line parlay on those five. See, so the, the, Bills, the Bills should beat the Patriots handily. The Seahawks should beat the Cardinals handily. The Rams should beat the Steelers handily. That the one, Giants. that one, I'll say right now, that one makes me nervous. Steel, it, it, Steelers well, coming it, off a bye with the yeah, with Mike yeah. Tomlin. I don't know. Okay, stay tuned, stay tuned for my locks. Okay, uh, the Giants, the command, the Giants. I think are well. I know that they're a better team at Barkley. So right, 
that I, I think that's a coin flip. And I think the Falcons are a better team than the Bucks. So there you have it. There it is. Mm. Mm. All right. Yeah. I'm. Uh... You're not, you don't. You hate it, but fine. I don't think <laughs> yeah, I was. Money. I was gonna say I don't love it, but uh, yeah, hate it is probably correct. I but you're a, right. I want a big win. I need a big win. I want to get this bankroll back up. So I'm going for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, my final bet here, as we've established, I don't know Jack about college football, but uh, I came across a fine article from our friends at the Action Network this week talking about how games between the service academies are usually low scoring and close and uh, Navy is getting 11 and a half against Air Force. And uh, what the hell? My grandfather was in the Navy. He didn't go to Navy, but he was in the Navy. So I'm happy to root for them to keep it within 11 and a half points. But because our bankroll is shrinking and I don't know college football. This seems a proper spot to only bet a half unit. Let's go. 55 bucks to win 50. Navy plus 11 and a half. Uh, I mean, I would have done the three units on that, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you would have. That's we don't, the difference. We're, we're, we, we don't have that many units left, Jeff. It's very sad. <laughs> but maybe we I will. I the Phillies to win the World Series, don't I? Is that a future? Uh, I think, yes, we do have that. Yeah, we have yeah. that one, and we have your guaranteed to hit plus 1162 Moneyline parlay here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, good, all right. good. <laughs> uh, all right, with that, it is time for bagels and locks, and one of us is still perfect. Um, not that there's any shame in a 3-1 and one record, but... Um, I am suddenly asking myself existential questions, wondering what's the point of continuing to do bagels and locks if I'm not perfect anymore. For you, at least, there is still a purpose. For me, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, my DJ Moore pick, you were right to be skeptical. He had like seven yards at halftime. He rallied late. He got to 51, but he needed basically one more catch that didn't come. You took the Lions, and they won easily. It was indeed a lock all the way. You are 4-0. The dream of perfection remains alive for you. I'm rooting for you. What you got this week, Jeff? Yeah, I'm going. I'm giving the Rams giving a field goal. Um, it, it feels a little e- too easy. I mean, we're saying that these are like basically evenly matched teams, being that we're in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I, I while I I am fully confident in the Steelers' defense, and while I'm fully confident in Tomlin's ability to get his team like prepared for anything, I just think that you know. McVeigh is just a modern day coach that knows how to like you know get the shit done. Like nobody thought the Rams were going to be anywhere near competitive this year. They're a good team, you know? Right. I, I don't know. I just think McVay finds a way to, to, to get this victory. I mean, I could see this like definitely like going 24, 22 and getting burned somehow, but right. I, I'm, 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 I'm giving the field goal. Okay. Well, listen, you're perfect in your locks. So who am I to question you? Uh, I'll, I'll, if, it, if, if it should happen to fail, which it won't, but if, if it should, then uh, next week I'll say, I told you so, but, uh, Look, it's your sure. lock. Good luck with it. Um, I didn't see too many locks jumping out at me this week, um, which may be a result of my confidence being shaken by a single loss, but maybe it's that it's actually a, a pretty tough week in terms of the lines. Um, but I found one that I like a lot. I'm taking your team, the Chargers, getting five and a half in Kansas City. Do I trust Brandon Staley not to screw up and lose a winnable game? No, I do not. But uh, these teams, these division rivals, they just always play each other close. And the Chargers kind of need it. I mean, they can fall to two and four and still make the playoffs. But I don't know. It borders on a must win. Uh, But anyway, these teams have played six times in the Mahomes versus Herbert era. Chiefs won four. Chargers won two. Only once did the Chiefs win by more than five and a half. And that was a six point win in overtime. So kind of doesn't count as winning by more than five and a half, even though technically it does. So bottom line, these teams always play each other close. 
The Chiefs only have one real blowout win this year, and that was against the hapless Bears. Austin Eckler is back and has a game under his belt. There isn't a real big talent gap between these teams. In my view, it's going to be another close one. I'm saying final score, Chiefs 26, Chargers 23. Chargers cover the five and a half. That's a lock. I like it. I mean, I, I, I was so high on the Chargers going into the season that they've been just disappointing me, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Brian Geltziler. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. Hey, did you see that DraftKings is, at least for now, the new number one sportsbook in America? You see this? According no. to our friends over there at EKG, they just tweeted this late yesterday, I saw hmm. it. Okay. Don't make me try and pronounce it. But DraftKings, apparently for the first time, has taken over the top spot in gross gaming revenue, hmm. um, inching past FanDuel. Kind of big news, right? I mean, you know, we watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if it holds going forward. But between that and Fanatics and ESPN Bet and Bet365 seemingly getting ready to make some moves... I don't know. It really does appear that 2024 is going to be a pretty, pretty, pretty pivotal year in these sports book wars. So, you know, buckle up, gamble on. <laughs>